Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Sophie, and this is She's All Fat, the podcast for fat positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. Okay, Fat Molly, the SAF team and I have been talking, and you know what? You're 16 now. We think you're mature enough. We think you're ready. We think it's time we gave you the keys. The keys to unlock our special time capsule season. Did I show you the lumped out Jeep Daddy got me? got four-wheel drive, dual side airbags, and a monster sound system. I don't have a license yet, but I need something to learn on. Boy, they came out of nowhere. That was a clip of uh, everyone unlocking the season. Now, in case you missed our season five finale, Fearing the Black Body with Yvette Dion, let me tell you the whole time capsule deal. Before our team started working on the Staying In series we just put out, we were actually halfway through working on an entirely different season five. We'd booked guests, recorded interviews, and mixed audio. But then COVID happened, and suddenly everything recorded before March felt completely irrelevant. Now, after our COVID season, these never-released episodes have somehow become this frozen-in-time artifact of the time before the international pandemic currently guiding our entire lives— a time capsule, and we want to share them with you. They feel a little less weird than they did before. So instead of having a break between seasons like we usually do, we'll be in your feed every Thursday this month with another time capsule episode. Then before you know it, we'll be on to season six. Today's time capsule release is a little fat music. I recorded this interview back in February with the one and only Ellen Kempner of the band Pale Hound. We talk a lot about Pale Hound's latest album and the tour Ellen was on at the time, which the pandemic cut short. We reached out to Ellen for a little update on the past few months since our interview. Hi, this is Ellen Kempner from Pale Hound. I'm just giving a little update on what has happened with me since COVID hit. Um, Before when I gave this uh, interview for this podcast, I was about to go on tour. That tour, I made it halfway through the tour, was about as far away from home as possible in Oregon when the rest of the tour was canceled. Um, And we had to kind of haul ass uh, back across the country, um, you know, just as the world was shutting down and as the country was closing. Um, And it was pretty wild and scary and um we really thought we were going to be performing a lot sooner um than it looks like we're going to but for the time being yeah i'm just not performing at all really besides the occasional live stream um but some good has come out of this for me which is that i've been teaching guitar lessons and i've been working at a recording studio um both are things that i never would have made time to do within a touring schedule so it's kind of like a little bit of a blessing in disguise to kind of have a forced break from touring and um 
you know, pursue other avenues of music and it's been really rewarding. Um, so I'm doing all right, but, uh, hope everyone else is doing okay out there. Hopefully we'll be playing live again soon, but, uh, for now, just keep your eye out for some live streams, I guess. Anyway, thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Ellen. Now let's hear the episode. I have a sneaking suspicion that a lot of the Fat Molly listens to thoughtful indie music. At me if I'm wrong, but we love to feel sad, but like in a beautiful way, you know? I'm the last lady to say I'm a music scene expert, but I am a fat expert. So I think I can say that there aren't a lot of fat people fronting indie bands, singing about their bodies, squeezing through doors, or only sometimes feeling worthy. Pale Hound is doing that pretty explicitly. And it's really freaking cool to see Ellen Kempner headlining a tour performing Pale Hound's new album that is hugely about bodies, fat bodies, our bodies. If you haven't listened to Black Friday yet, don't worry, we're going to cover a lot in this interview. Um, rock on? Is that what the music people say? Um, okay, so do you want to just talk to me a little bit about how you started Pale Hound and what it was like to start a band? Let's start there. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I started Pale Hound when I was like 19 and I was in school at the time. I just kind of like had a bunch of songs that I was writing and wanted to record them just to like show them to my friends. And so I kind of had these two friends in New York who had a recording studio and I recorded like an EP with them. And then I found like a small label exploding in sound that I was like obsessed with because I like loved all their bands and they wanted to put it out and then it got some press and then all of a sudden it was like kind of more of a thing than I thought it was going to be, which was exciting, but also like definitely nerve wracking because I had just made it to like show to my friends and then all of a sudden it's like getting press and stuff. That's so cool though. (laughs) It was really cool. It was like one of those things that was just like a lot of luck, you know? Yes. But also I had a lot of friends who wrote terrible lyrics in high school and right after (laughs) that they would not have been lucky. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And uh, so then I kind of had to scramble to get a band together because I had like music out and like people wanted me to go on tour and I was like, oh shit. Okay. So I like dropped out of school and started the band. That's so cool. Yeah. What a a dream. You're like kind of the dream. (laughs) That's awesome. Mm -hmm. When you started, you do guitar and you do vocals. What's your, I, I don't know if you've heard this on the pod, but so I have ADHD and one of my things with ADHD is I have really bad audio processing or I have difficulty with audio processing. So if I'm listening to music, it's the only thing I can do. Like a lot of people have music on in the background of their life. You know what I mean? As like Mm -hmm. a soundtrack to special moments. And that never happens for me because if something's on, I can't focus on anything else. So there's, there tends to be like specific songs. I know every word to, because I just listen really intensely to it. Or I'm like, I have no idea what this is. So even though I'm a writer, I have such an alienated feeling from like how you could ever write a song because music seems so like mysterious to me. Do I sound stupid? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. So how do you like when you're approaching writing a song, like 
do the lyrics come first? Do you hear, like, I'm always fascinated by how musicians like bring the music together in their head. Like, what do you hear? What do you feel? Um, it's kind of changed over time. I used to just kind of sit down and, and start something just from scratch, like in that sitting. But yeah, since then I've kind of like the way that I do it now is I, um, have like a lot of voice recordings in my phone and a lot of like lyrics in the notes app also that I kind of just like write or record like on the fly when I get like inspired or get like an idea. And then I kind of like sit down later and piece it together and then like kind of like match lyrics with different riffs or different chord progressions. Do you hear like what you want it to sound like in your head? Um, yeah, I do. <laughs> and it's, sometimes it's really frustrating because sometimes I'll be like out in public or like doing something and I'll like get an idea and I'll like just so desperately just want to like write it and like keep it and then I'll like lose it most of the time. It'll like fly away by the time I'm like by a guitar or something. And that's like really frustrating. But that's what the the iPhone is good for, I guess, is like, do you like sing little notes into it? <laughs> yeah, it's like I listen to them and I'm like so embarrassed later and they sound like no. so not <laughs> what I had like in my head <laughs> when I was like Honestly, singing it. I mean, that's pretty similar to the like essay writing process. I feel like a lot of times I have an idea in my head of like what I want an episode or an essay to be like. And it's like I can see the finished product. And then when I'm writing it, it's like so much harder to do. And I get very frustrated. I think that's just like the creative process in general. It's so frustrating that we just like don't have technology yet. where like, we can have an idea in our head and then it'll just exist. Like a pensive. <laughs> I can't just yeah. like bring it down. Yes. Um, okay. So I have a few questions about music. First of all, the reason that I was like wondering about that is because a lot of your lyrics of the songs that I know are like they're pretty cohesive idea wise like your songs have a story in almost all of them or like understandable meaning whereas some other songs I'm always like I'm like what the fuck is this about do you know what I mean sometimes there are songs where you're like huh I don't get this and your (laughs) songs are very like clear like okay it's about this thing and we're exploring this topic and there's no parts that are just like oh this word just rhymes or something once again, I like don't know how to talk about music. So no, this no, is no. me trying to. No, no, no. You are through. doing a really great job. <laughs> I don't know. That's just kind of how I do it. I, I just like I kind of I the, my favorite songs are songs that like tell stories and songs that I can follow and like, you know, kind of grew up on like folk songs and yeah. like, you know, stuff like that. So that's like kind of deep like in me in terms of like my writing and like when I was like a kid I would like write stories a lot like not music but just like write little picture books and stuff and like draw them and so I've always like really wanted to be a storyteller yeah like more than anything I think so that's yeah
are your musical influencers, if you have a couple to list? Well, a big one that definitely led to me trying to go down that road is Joni Mitchell. Like her songs are really just yeah. like each song is like a beautiful story and, and she sets like different scenes and she has characters and that's kind of like, I love that. Um, who else? Elliot Smith. Similar thing. Those are two big ones. Big emo girl vibes. I love yeah, it. Big emo girl vibes in terms of like that <laughs> aspect of the songwriting. And then I have like a lot of other influences that, you know, I pick from in other ways, but yeah. in terms of being a storyteller, that's kind of, those are my top two. I love that. I totally see that too, which is big because once again, I know nothing about music and I know those two. <laughs> you keep saying that, but I really think you know more than you think you do. It's something where it's like, okay, I have this theory that like, if there's like five big media types, it's like, you know, books, TV, music, film, and then like, you know, you can substitute one of many things like comics or whatever in the mm -hmm. fifth slot. You can be an expert on two out of five. Like that's what you have time for in your brain. Uh, and there are some people you know, that, you know, like EGOT, you know, EGOT oh, that's people. that's true. Okay, but that's they're true. But they're freaks. Yeah, they're freaks. If we're they're talking weirdos. about like, you know. <laughs> Not freaks. <laughs> yeah, the average person has enough time in the day for like two out of five, you know? Mm -hmm. And so my sliders, if, I, if I'm a sim, my sliders are turned way up on books and TV and like way down on everything else. I feel the same way about movies. Like I know very little about movies. I don't, just very, like, I don't really know much about movies either. I know nothing about like film or anything like that. I like, yeah. I mean, I like, I enjoy, I watch a lot of TV and movies, Same. but I like don't know how to talk about it without sounding crazy. I mean, my secret theory is that TV people are more fun than film people. Sorry, everyone who's listening who loves film, but well, people, I think who love, <laughs> people who love film have big ideas about it. Mm -hmm. Also, TV can be so many things. It can be reality TV, which I love. <laughs> and you know okay but have you watched love island you know okay that's the one that no i haven't watched because when everyone that i knew was like really deep in that and like i ha had the opportunity to watch it i was really obsessed with vanderpump rules and oh. i was kind of like that's more my speed you know i think like i would love to see like straight people in la be super mediocre <laughs> as opposed to like i don't know british people also being mediocre. <laughs> okay, that's very <laughs> but fair. But I'm like, you know, I'm more interested in seeing that happen in LA, I guess, with like that those types. I need to start Vanderpump. I oh haven't watched it yet. Okay. You have I to watch it. I need a guide. Where do I have to start at the beginning? Or For can sure. I start? No, no, okay. no. You have to start at the beginning, but like, it's not that daunting. It's like, you're gonna hit your stride and you're gonna like, it's like, ugh. Have you been to the restaurant? Yeah, I have. I have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was horrible. It was such a scam. I fell right into it. Like I just Sir felt, is awful. It's oh my terrible. God. I paid $18 for angel hair with like marinara sauce and it was like yep. made me sick. I like couldn't finish it. And like, I love food. I love pasta. Oh I could eat as much pasta as you put in front of me, but I couldn't finish this pasta. And it was like, ugh. that's really funny. We went for one of my friend's birthdays last year because she was really obsessed with the show too. It was pretty fun just to go and just be like, Ooh, they're right there but it is like a weird zoo experience you know it is. it's like a, like disney character breakfast or something but yes. with like <laughs> burnout like aspiring actors and models <laughs> oh my god that's a hundred percent accurate mm -hmm. um okay okay back to the music for a little bit mm -hmm. do you feel like there's a connection for you or like what is the connection for you between music and like experiencing music in your body or expressing music 
expressing things about your body in music and also queerness. Is that like an okay topic to delve into? For sure. Yeah. Well, music, even though it's like a, you know, it's not a visual art for some reason. I don't know. I feel like it's like how you look is really important when you're doing rock music or when you're just performing in general. So I have a lot of insecurity tied in with music, which is unfortunate. (laughs) um and yeah I mean just like you know I I started getting recognition when I was 19 and in a place where I wasn't really ready to you know when you're doing music like you're your product you know like I'm my product I'm selling my voice and my stories and like my face and how I look and like that's all part of the package and when I was like 19 I wasn't really ready for that and it really fucked me up in a lot of ways, like I, I, one of the reasons I dropped out of school is because I just was having like a whole mental thing. It just led to me being like, I had just gotten to a place where I was like, kind of okay with my body and feeling neutral. And then I started getting recognition for my EP and started playing shows in like Brooklyn, which was like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to like get on stage in front of all these like hipsters, yeah. these like cool older hipsters or something. I don't know. And it started like in a small way that way, but then like, cause I, w- I was not, you know, I didn't have that much recognition or anything like that. But then as like I toured and like, I gained a lot of weight on my first tour um, because I like didn't really I was like eating a lot of crap. And then I just got really like this was before I like was aware of, you know, I don't know. For me, like body positivity at that time was something that was like Victoria's Secret having like a girl that was like maybe a size 12, (laughs) Um, you know, so I was like not really in tune with that or in tune with like any discourse about loving your body. And I just started like really really going down like a bad mental path with it and just being really self-conscious and just like getting really you know caught up in some really bad behaviors with food you know and then I kind of have just had to navigate that since then and I'm still I think that like by finally like recently making music about that feeling and making music about that anxiety about my body that's helped a lot that's been like the healthiest thing I've done I think is just like be honest about it and like put myself in a position where I'm not like trying to hide my body anymore even though everyone can see it (laughs) you know what I mean like I'm just not trying to pretend that it's not a thing or I'm not trying to like I'm getting it in my head that I'm not like trying to lose weight or I'm not trying to like I'm just like I'm gonna be this and I'm gonna talk about that the fact that like this is yeah I feel like 19 is so young to be in a in a public eye you know like like at all I think if I I didn't find body positivity stuff or body neutrality stuff until I was like 22 and I don't really even feel like I was fully in it for several more years. Like it took a long time. Mm -hmm. And when you're still a teenager, I mean, first of all, your brain's still developing to your 25. Like we know this. And I still feel like a full idiot most days, even though I'm 29. But when you're a teenager, it's like everything. I, I felt so uncomfortable in my body, not even like somewhat because of weight, but also just like everything feels uncomfortable, you know? I feel like you're still in puberty, yes. then, even though people are like, it ends before then. Like, I feel like I was still like mentally. Yes. A hundred percent, man. No. So that makes total sense to me. And what do you feel? Where do you feel you are now with it? Um, You know, I'm in a lot. I'm in the best place I've been with it, but it's still hard. You know, it's still definitely like something that, you know, I'm I, there's still so little representation and I feel like I'm definitely 
um, no pun intended, carrying a bit of a weight with that. <laughs> it's not like I have like a really any friends who are in my position that I can like relate yeah. to as like a big girl in rock music or in music at all. I don't really have like any friends that I can relate to on that, which is tough because it's like, I feel like I do really wish I had more of a, not a community, but yeah, a community, more of a community for that. I mean, fat friends are really important. I feel like to help you feel. They are for sure. And I have like a couple, but not that many. And I definitely don't have any that are like in music really. So that's been the biggest obstacle so far but so it's just led to me doing having to do a lot of internal work and me having to like be very not careful but like very specific about what I want to say and how I want to say it because I do feel like I'm kind of you know a lot of the representation in that way so I want to do it right I want to like you know help people in the way that is best yeah so it's it stresses me out a little bit but it's also like really good personal work for me to be like how am I gonna like how am I gonna represent bodies like mine in this world and like and then that kind of like leads to me being like what would I want to hear myself say which is like really healthy for me that's awesome I mean I think there's Mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying but I also think it's okay to just like even seeing someone be struggling with it or not sure what to do or say is also valuable for people you know, for sure. And I think that I definitely am very conscious of that as well. Like where I'm like my songs, you know, none of them are like, I, I'm not writing Lizzo songs. You know what I mean? I, so I definitely was like, I'm just going to still be as honest as possible. Like I'm going to be like, this song is about not feeling worthy because of my body. And I'm not going to pretend that I do feel worthy because I don't. So like, yeah. yeah, So yeah, worthy was uh, the video that you sent us when you first reached out. So I wanted to make sure that we talked about it for sure. So there's mm-hmm. the lyric from it that everyone pulls out about like, what, where is it? I have it written down. Uh, I think I hate my body until it's next two years with you. I wear the clothes I'd buried in my drawers, which is actually, it's like really funny because I just wrote a little thing for this other random project where I talked about how one of the things I love about my partner is the fact that I think about my body the least that I ever do when I'm with him. Yeah. And yeah. And so that I was like, oh my God, that's like a much more beautiful way of saying like what I was trying to (laughs) express. Yeah, it's just like I've been with my partner for over four years now and I haven't had to like be in that position of like, you know, dating and and the questioning and like the, you know, I feel like putting yourself I haven't had to put myself out there in a while, which is really nice. And and also I'm very lucky to have a partner that is like incredibly supportive. Like he is like he's the best. And like, you know, early on when we were dating, like really early on, like a few months in because this was a few years ago. So I was like, you know, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm so fat 
that or blah 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 like trying to get him to be like no you're not yes, no, you're sure. not you know like doing that yeah. whole thing <laughs> and he was like yeah you are but like that's beautiful and that like at first i was like what and then i was like how do i deal with that and then like that made it so healthy that made it the healthiest relationship i've ever yeah. had is that people weren't like he really just was like yes you are but that's good and he like saw you like as you were and liked you as you were yeah and he wasn't gonna give in to my bullshit yeah. you know and he wasn't gonna like say what i wanted him to say he said what i needed him to say you know and just being with him has been so great for me in that way where it's like yeah it, i am wearing clothes that like i felt bad about wearing before like i you know stuff like that yeah I feel like the identity of being fat is both both very internal and external. It's like you have your own ideas about not only your self-image, but like literally what you look like that may or may not match up to how you're externally perceived. You know what I mean? Like for me, my so I've been I've been with my partner seven years. And like when we got together, I was just starting to be like, maybe I'm okay. Like I was so early in it that all of this, like starting the podcast, definitely everything like came within our relationship. And he is very like always supportive, definitely loves me and is like, not, he's not like a verbal affirmation person. He's an acts of service person. And so the way that like when I was exploring all these ideas and like talking about them, he would always just be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. Sounds good. And like the fact that he was just so like, uh huh. Sure. Like it was always like, I love you for you. I don't really give a shit, you know, like what weight you are or like what your body is. I just love you. It was like so powerful for me. And, and sometimes I even feel conflicted about it because I'm like, I will never know if I could have gotten to that place without having a supportive partner. That's what I was going to say next is, yeah, that's that's the that's the problematic thing about this conversation is that you and I are sitting here like, oh, my God, these these yeah. guys showed us that we can love ourselves. And that's a big problem for me. Not a problem, but no problem's not the right word. But that's something that I'm like, that's my next obstacle is like, how do I get there on yeah, my own? Totally. Like, how do I get there without him? Totally. I mean, one thing that helped me was to think about it as like a shift that it's not like only my partner loves me. It's like my partner helps me create a, a, a safe space for me to be me, you know? For sure. That's a good way of looking at it. And for then sure. it's not like I need my partner's love to be happy. It's like I choose to be with this person because they're helping me feel safe and create a safe space for me to figure this stuff out. And that gives you a little mm -hmm. more like agency in it. It's like a big cushion. Yeah, to fall exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting. Like when I, so I figured out that I was by when we, when I was already dating Victor and for a while I was like, Oh my God, do I have to break up with him so I can like date other genders, like, and figure out what's going on. And then I was like, no, no, I don't want to break up. But it was weird to like, there was a period where I was figuring out what being bi meant to me really. Like, cause I think flirting is very fine in a monogamous relationship. It's very fun, you know? For sure. That's harmless. And so when I was like, oh, I can flirt with girls now and like was figuring out what that was, I had a lot of the same feelings come up of like, oh, should I feel insecure about my body again? Like in this, you know, new relationship way. And then I was like, no, not going to. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. cut that off. Yeah. Cut that out. Yeah.
Okay, so the song we're talking about, Worthy, is it kind of to you, like, I mean, it's the song on the album that to me seemed most explicitly about your body. Do you feel like it's, is it kind of like the thesis of the album or like kind of like the topic sentence of the album? It's one of them. Yeah, for sure. I think it's definitely one of them. It's definitely the one that like captures like that feeling is happening throughout the entire record. But it's the one that, yeah, in terms of like, it's just stating it straight up, like it's just going to be blunt about it. Yeah, for sure. Because there are definitely other songs like The City, for example, which is like much more like not as straightforward but that song is also about like feeling fat like in small spaces basically What other songs do you want to like bring up that had like fat feelings in them? Let me think. Definitely Black Friday. The song is about like competing for attention or something or competing for friendship or competing for attraction. And that definitely is just an undertone in that song. I'm like thinking about that. Oh, Bullshit. The song Bullshit is about like, you know, being my partner's insecurities, just kind of bouncing back and forth. And that's definitely my insecurity in that song um, is my weight. Yeah. Those are the ones that are sticking out to me right now. I think it's really powerful to write about insecurity about weight in a song. Honestly. Thank you. A lot of times it's either like, fuck you. I'm cool, which is also good. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But also sometimes there's a lot of insecurity in songs that has to do with like either like a very male view, like a cis male view of insecurity mm-hmm. or insecurity about like other more, you know, intangible things. Or if they say like, oh, I'm insecure about myself, then it's like, okay, but you're thin. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I know many yeah. other songs or songwriters that talk about insecurity about weight in this specific way. I wish that there were more. I wish that, yeah, I do wish that there are more people with a platform to to do that. Do you get pushback from like, okay, so how do I don't know how the music industry works at all. Um, the only thing I know is like from literal movies, but when you're, so do you like have people you work with who do you ever get pushback on what you're talking about or writing about? No, I'm really lucky. Well, I, not just lucky, but like, I definitely like when I, you know, was picking people to work with. I was like, I need to pick people that are like, you know, well, cause back when I was making decisions of who to hire, I was like coming out as yeah. queer. So I was like, okay, I need to like pick people that are like completely cool with me being open about my identity just in general. So that I definitely picked like a really good group of people and like polyvinyl is a great label that gives me a lot of control um, about like what I want to say. And my manager is like, so yeah, so into it and is like very supportive. And like, you know, my publicist was like really trying to get me on this podcast. Like when I told her about it, like the fact that I wanted to be on it, I yeah have an incredibly supportive team and it helps also. I think that this record came out, I feel like 2019 was like year of the fat girl. Yeah, <laughs> It was like shrill came out yes. and like Lizzo yes, like had her moment. So it definitely like happened at a good time, but I don't, even if it wasn't happening 
at like a time where that was in the discourse, I think that I would have been supported for yeah. sure. I really like that a voice with your positionality exists. Like a lot of times I get emails from people who are like, can I like literally I'll get emails that are like, can I still listen even though I'm not sure I like my body? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. That's like, yeah, the point. you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> like I think a lot of people feel like they can only participate in body positivity if they feel very positive about their body. And that's really not the point. You know, it's like, the way, you know, the reason that we distinguish between body positivity and self-love is like self-love is a whole other project. Body positivity is just being like, I don't deserve to be treated differently by the world for who I am or what my body is. Yeah. I actually have a lot. I have a bone to pick with body positivity in general and like that term, which might be like a hot take, (laughs) but I feel like it's like a really condescending term. And I feel like it holds a lot of expectations, like where there are people that are like, can I listen, even though I don't like I'm not like obsessed with my body. That's kind of kind of what I think. I have like an issue with that term. I like prefer my friend recently was like talking to me about the term like body neutrality, which I think is like so much for me, at least I'm not judging anything else. But for me personally, that is so much more effective because I'm just like, I don't even want to have to think about my body as much as I do, let alone put like all of the energy into being like positive. And I also feel like body positivity, like we're not telling like skinny people to be positive about their bodies because it's implied, you know what I mean? So I feel like, body positivity the reason that's condescending to me is like no you should be positive about this thing that is negative like it it like you can't have positivity without negativity in the equation so i kind of just like you know i feel like that's how i feel about that that's me personally i think we've talked before on the pod about how the term has gone through a couple iterations in our first season we talked to this writer and activist named um melly who Uh, Melissa Gibson, who like wrote a thesis about how like Instagram kind of changed body positivity to like the people who most use the hashtag are thin white women. And instead of it being like something that started with fat, black, queer and Jewish women. So a lot of people feel that way, that the term has kind of been co-opted. But that's why there's like, I mean, there's a ton of terms I feel like apply. It's like body neutrality is like more of a concept. To me, body positivity is more the whole like it encompasses like a huge range of ways of being around it. Right. And then body neutrality, mm-hmm. which for me was a big step on my way to feeling more positive about my own body. It's like a very safe, good place to be. And I think a lot of people don't think it's like good enough to just be in that space. And I'm like, I think body neutrality is a great place to be. I loved thinking a lot less about my body. It was awesome. And then there's other terms that I like to use for talking about the social justice part of it, you know? So like I'll talk about fat justice or fat liberation or body justice, especially when I want to include other intersections like disability representation or, you know, like talk about it in a, in a wider way. But I think there's definitely, if you're in the fat justice community, there's like a lot more recognition of like what the possibilities of it are. I think in the wider world, body positivity is much more watered down into what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that like, yeah, and that's a good point that like, I definitely like have a little bit more exploring to do in terms of like, what that term can mean outside of Instagram, basically, and outside of like a Victoria's Secret ad campaign. It feels like it it reeks of like, capitalism to me right now. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of pink washing for it, for sure. Mm -hmm. I like recently 
now that I live in New York, I'm trying to find more community and more of this discourse. And I actually kind of changing the subject a little bit, but I went to a fat femme lingerie party the other night. Oh my God. What was that like? Oh my God. Okay. It was like that pool party scene and shrill, but like way gayer and like way more New York (laughs) and like in the winter. (laughs) It sounds incredible. Oh my God. It was so sick. It was like very queer too. It was like, there was this panel. Do you know who Ashley Chubby Bunny is on Instagram? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she like, I think she hosted it. Like she was one of the hosts. I don't know if she was like the sole organizer, but they were like five people on stage just talking about sex when I got there. Like literally just like, and everyone there was like fat and wearing like the sexiest shit. Like I've, I wore a corset for the first time and like was oh my God. feeling myself. Yeah. I'm like very foot. I like dress like kind of like on the butcher side, but it was like really cool to get in touch with my femme side and an environment like that too. But like they were just talking about sex and they had like people come up and tell like their sex stories. And like, it was just like so good and like, so and then there was a dance party and I was just like oh Uh, it was like perfect it was like the best night it was like the most powerful experience and it came like at a really good time for me where I was like oh my god like I and there was like a whole conversation about desirability and then just also being in a space where like I was looking around and I was like oh my god everyone is so hot like Uh just like fuck like fat people are so hot and like I need to remember that. And like, I need to like apply that to how I see myself that like, I find fat people attractive. So why don't I like give myself a fucking break? You know? Yeah. A hundred percent. Do you feel like your shows can, or like are that kind of space for people? Yeah, for sure. I think that that's my goal at least. And like, I feel like since I started becoming more vocal about, well, actually to be honest, I feel like this upcoming tour is going to be me seeing what the effect of me talking like this is going to be because it's the first time we're headlining on this album like we had which was cool it was like we had the only tour we've done since we put black friday out was with big thief and we were opening for them so it was like not our crowd it was like their crowd but like fat girls or like fat people in general still did come to the merch table and be like you know who like knew black friday and like had overlap with like big thief and us and so i like did get like a taste of that to see like the effect of that and see people come up and like talk to me but i think that this headlining tour will definitely for me be the teller to see like if putting out an album like that like does lead to it manifesting like live in the shows so i'm like hoping it does i'm hoping i'm really hoping it does but you know time will tell that's really cool yeah are you going to have a lot of plus size shirts to sell? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. We go up to 3X in all of our shirts. Cool. Yeah. And like, I do want to like go bigger than that. I just have to like find different companies but like it's such bullshit because like they do charge a fat tax for those shirts 100 percent. and like i'm definitely not gonna charge a fat tax at my shows and it's just like such bullshit it's like what the shirt is like requires like what like less than a square foot more of like fabric and you're gonna charge me like five extra dollars for it or like something shitty i don't know yes i hear you i think it would be really rad to have like up to six X, but I understand that it's also like hard to do cost wise, but no, but like, that's like me not like I should, I gotta like, 
I got to step my game up with that. That's like, I'm going to take accountability for that. That like, I got to, hell yeah. I got to like, I got to do better. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That'd be really awesome. It's like interesting. I was talking to a friend the other day who does merch tees for people and she was like, yeah, like we did a plus size run for this one creator and we got so many emails thanking us for doing that. And I was like, yeah, fat people want to buy your shit. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. That, that's awesome. That makes me really excited to hear. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Can we talk about like if you have do you get messages from fans about this stuff or your audience about stuff? Yeah. Like yeah, body like stuff in, in the DMs sometimes. Yeah. Like when the album not for a while, but like when we put out Worthy and like, you know, um yeah, just people who discover the song and will DM me or people like when the song came out that were yeah, for sure. How do you feel like sharing that has affected your relationship with your audience? Oh, it's it's like it's great. It's really affirming and it's really exciting to like be able to connect on that level and to be able to provide a representation that like I wish had been provided for me at yeah. different ages or different periods of time. And so like to get messages from like, like a fat teenager, for example, I'm just like, Oh good. Like, wow. I'm glad that like I could do that for you. Like that would have been so good for me if I had had that, you know? So like, that's how it feels for me is like, I want to connect with people and I also want to like not be completely selfish with my music and (laughs) self-indulgent, you know? I mean, it's, I mean, not that the podcast is the same as music at all, but I find it hard sometimes to find the line between wanting to be very vulnerable and share things and also having to put up boundaries about how I'll interact with individual people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you Um, find that too? I think that I definitely have had to learn a lot about boundaries over just the past like five years of touring, especially at shows. Like I've had to put up physical boundaries where it's like, no, I'm not going to like automatically hug someone if like they seem to want that or like something. I don't know. I've had to definitely put up boundaries emotionally and physically recently just to make sure that I'm not like exhausting myself or doing something that is triggering or you know good because I've like been in situations that were not good situations where I like was too much of a people pleaser 
I guess. Totally. You know? I think a lot of people, a lot of fat people are people pleasers. Yeah, we kind of have, have to, to be. Uh-huh. It's like a big, let's, we talk about that a lot on our Your Fat Friend episode where we talk about how a lot of times fat people feel like they're the supportive friend or whatever, instead of the main character, oh, which always, is one yeah. other reason why I love the fact that you talk about this in your music, because just you are the creator of the music and you are the main character of your music. I think that's powerful. Thank you. Yeah. I think also we have to kind of like, since I was a kid, I've been a people pleaser because of my weight, because it's like the, my biggest fear was being called fat. And I was scared. Like if I didn't please someone if I didn't like if I did stick up for myself like they would just come at me with that Mm -hmm. and I was like too scared to hear it for the longest time and so I think like that was like really in me like deep for like and still is that it's like I have to be good I have to please people like I can't risk pissing someone off and then like opening myself up to like that kind of criticism or that kind of like hate from them and so like that is like in everything that I do now is like I it's just pleasing and 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 being submissive that way. But like, I'm really trying to break out of it. It's hard to do. It's just so hard. I will say for me, definitely accepting my fatness has helped with that a lot. Mm-hmm. Like it, it allowed me to actually get on with the wor- like emotional work I have to do. Yeah. You know, and like to, to like stand up for yourself and like be ready and prepared for someone to like come back at you and like say something that would have destroyed you a few years earlier. Definitely. I mean, I think now it's, it's interesting. Like I still have situations where I struggle to talk about the podcast, for example, like if I'm, if I'm around people who I know are not fat positive or not even on the, the very basic body positivity train, sometimes I still feel afraid to be like, Oh, my podcast is called she's all fat. It's about body positivity because I get like, people will say mean things or people will push back in this weird way. And it's funny. Cause like, what really helps actually is usually if I'm with a friend, they'll be like, she has a great podcast. It's called She's All Fat. And then like the fact that someone else who's maybe thin is saying it for me kind of shields me a little bit from like a negative reaction from a thin person. Do you know what I mean? I totally know what you mean. Yeah. But it's like scary still sometimes, even though I'm like very proud of what I do and like very proud of the podcast and like everything I've built with it and am probably the most positive towards myself I've ever been. It's still scary, even though if someone's like, oh, you're fat, I'm like, yeah, that's my brand, (laughs) literally. But like there's still a power to somebody. If I can tell somebody thinks I'm a lesser person because of it, that still feels bad. Yeah, that's always going to feel bad. That's like the worst feeling. And like I feel a lot of that. And like just why is it so comforting when like a thin person like speaks up like totally I try to think about it actually not like I never want to make it sound like uh racism is at all a one-to-one in any way like it's totally different thing but sometimes I think about that like when I'm trying to figure out how to position myself like in situations with my boyfriend for example who's black Mm -hmm. and I'm like okay if someone's saying something kind of racist if someone was saying something kind of fat phobic would I want my thin friend to say something right now or would I want them to let, you know what I mean? It's like, I try to think about it sometimes and prevent myself from being like a white savior in that way. Again, it's like not one-to-one, but like I think about it. Yeah, no, it's definitely like a good way to like frame, like knowing what you want in that situation and then like applying that to what someone else would want and like, or not would want, but like, you know, just like knowing, like learning how to take up space and like learning how to give up space 
And like, yeah, I, I see what you mean with that. Yeah. Are there people who are fat people or non-normative bodies that you follow like on Instagram or in other places that make you feel happy or who you enjoy taking their, enjoying their content? Yeah. Well, definitely. I mean, I already mentioned her, but definitely Ashley Chubby Bunny is a big one for me because because she's not only posting herself. I mean, she's like so hot and so cool and like everything she says is so good and like all of her captions and just like, you know, I learn a lot from her, but she's always like reposting other fat people that are like and like uplifting other people. And then I follow I follow like everyone that she posts and then like (laughs) she's just kind of like building my God, what's the word? My collection of like (laughs) of like fat influencers that I like love, (laughs) I guess. Who else? I don't know. There are so many people. I feel like I'm like now at a point where I'm like not following like cis, skinny, conventionally hot people on Instagram. I'm like over that. Hell yeah. Yes. It's hard for me to even think of one. I had I did that for a while and then I circled back around and now I follow a bunch because as I told you, I'm obsessed with influencers and especially mommy bloggers. Just <laughs> the like performance of it is so interesting to me. The terror. Yes. It's what it's truly wild. It's truly wild. There's like some cool fat mom bloggers who I love, but also I'm just interested in the performative of like performative nature of a lot of influencer stuff. So mm-hmm. now I do follow a lot more than white people, but <laughs> only because I'm like fascinated by <laughs> the, the same part of you that watches Love Island and The Bachelor yes. wants to follow 100%. them. For sure. Yes, exactly. Um, okay. So talking about like images. So images were super important for me in body positivity. Like there was, like I said, there was a time when I only followed fat people and it made a huge difference. I was also on Tumblr a lot more then, and it made like a big difference to me to see bodies that at least reminded me of mine and be like, Oh, I like them. Maybe I could like myself someday. Oh, they look normal. Quote unquote to me. Maybe I'm not like a freak, you know, just to surround yourself with more images of like bodies like yours is like, important. It's very powerful. So I also wanted to touch on your style. So what do you choose to wear on stage? And has that changed um, as your relationship with your body has changed? Oh, yeah. In a huge way. Um, When I first started touring, I was just kind of like not giving a shit about what I wore. And I would like wear on stage whatever I'd wear in the van that day. I think at the time I was just like oh like I'm one of the guys like you know look at like these Mm -hmm. old videos of Kurt Cobain like just wearing a flannel on stage like I'm gonna do that like I'm gonna be grungy I'm gonna be like you know whatever not call attention to my body at all and that was like the other thing about that that worked really well of course was like wearing baggy clothes or shit that just like didn't make anyone think about my body sure which was like definitely had its perks and like definitely wasn't a bad thing but now I've been working with Tamara Mollis you do know that shit yes yes it's so good I just picked up some an outfit yesterday from her (gasps) oh my god and that's been like the best because I feel like for a long time I was like okay I can't really find like 
that many super cool clothes for me that are in my size like vintage stores don't carry it like all of the major Mm -hmm. brands make clothes that for me are not like they're not queer enough I feel like a lot of like plus size fashion is very straight it's like straight women shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah I'm just gonna say it you know and I'm like hella gay and like not trying to like I don't know wear certain things i totally get what you mean you know and i'm i think it's really they're nice clothes i'm not trying to like shame that shit i think no 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 so many people look so hot and that stuff but like i just like can't for me so tamara mollis was like making these she makes these like incredible beautiful clothes that like definitely to me are kind of queer and like that was so lucky to get to work with her and uh now i like have outfits that i have on stage and like i have like specific looks that i want to have on stage and that's like a lot of fun and takes a lot of like the thinking out of it it's like okay this is my uniform you know yes there's this picture that i wanted to reference of you on the beach in this like really cool cowboy hat and like turquoise eyeshadow and like coral jacket yeah (laughs) tell me can you tell me about that outfit I can tell you about that so yeah that was for um do you know what junior high is in LA yeah yeah that's where we had our launch party actually for the podcast hell yeah yeah so junior high is like for people listening who don't know it's like this really sick magazine and space in LA that's run by Faye Orlove who's been a friend of mine for a while even though she's an asshole if she's listening (laughs) (laughs) no she's not but like um so they wanted to do like a photo shoot and feature of me in the magazine and it was like the first time that like I'd ever had like a press opportunity that like there was a stylist and there was a makeup artist and like it was a bunch of clothes I think most of the clothes are from ASOS which I'd like never really delved into their stuff and like most of the clothes are things that I would absolutely never touch if I like were picking them on my own so that was like a cool thing about having a stylist was like this person that was like oh you might not think you want to wear this but like look at how fucking cool you look in it yeah and then it was like oh fuck that's what like you guys are for (laughs) (laughs) that's what that was it was like that hat and like that jacket and like the makeup were like other people being like try this like or like we want to try this on you like we're excited to do this on you and like that was really exciting for me that's so cool yeah shout out to junior high we love junior high support junior high on patreon they're so good it's important to have independent art spaces yeah we love them we love Faye. okay so I also wanted to know if you take accessibility into consideration when you're booking venues and shows or like if you think about that, because a lot of times I'm afraid to go to music shows. Again, I have a lot of audio processing stuff. So sometimes I'm like, it's going to be too loud for me. I'm too afraid to go. But if I can work myself up to go for artists who I really like, sometimes I get extremely anxious about being able to fit into this seat and then I don't go. Yeah. Do you like think about that when you book stuff? Well, we're still at a point where we're like small enough where we we definitely don't have seated venues ever. I definitely like have told my agent that that's important to me, but unfortunately we're not big enough to like really be specific with certain things still. You know, when you're in the indie rock circuit, like there are just like a handful of venues in each city that are the ones that you kind of just like have to play at. And most of the time we don't have issues with that. And most of the time, like if, you know, a venue that we're playing isn't accessible and like someone reaches out, like we do everything we can to accommodate them. And I take like having seats available for people who need them very seriously and stuff like that. But in terms of like choosing venues, I'm just like not, I don't have enough power yet. I don't think, you know, we're. St- yes, totally. That makes sense. But if somebody wants to come to your show 
and they're worried about accessibility, what should they do? Should they, they should reach out to me. Someone? They should definitely DM okay. me because I will, I check my DMS and I definitely like that. Take that very seriously. And like, definitely, um, am here to help in any situation like that. And like, I tell venues too, like, yeah, that that's important to me as well. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I was really sad last year. I had tickets to the Jenny Lewis show and then I got, I had like a panic attack about not fitting in the seat and didn't go. I was Ugh. like, so disappointed. Isn't that, that's sh- horrible. That suck? It's horrible. Yeah. So we definitely don't play any seated venues and that, that would be a big one for sure. If, yeah. If, and when we ever do get big enough to do that, that'll be a conversation. But right now we're just playing clubs that are just standing room, you know, and that's then cool. if someone needs a seat, we get them a seat. And I really try not to play venues that have a lot of stairs and aren't accessible um, in that yeah. way. And we, yeah, we usually just play venues that are like on the ground floor. One thing I would love artists to do is if possible on their, when they like list the touring places, if they put on that page, either like contact this for accessibility info or like try to link. It's really hard to find out accessibility info about venues like I've called venues before and been like, what, how big are your seats? And had the manager be like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I'm fat. Am I going to fit in your seat? Yeah. So that would be my dream would be that again, you don't have like a huge amount of time, I'm sure to do all this, but like, that'd be really cool if people would start putting accessibility info on their tour stuff. No, that's like a really good suggestion that I haven't thought about that. I will definitely like take into account next time. Maybe I can, I'll talk to my agent about that for sure. Yay. Oh my God. Cool. Okay, so this is a silly question, but go with me. You know how like in cartoons, like especially older cartoons, like the kind that used to play before films, like before way before we were born. If somebody fat walks in, then there's like a specific fat sound. It's like bum bottom bottom bum. You know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. Okay, so that to me is like fat sound. So if we're recreating that, like if we're reimagining fat sound, like what is fat sound to you? Oh, my God. (laughs) Like in like a in a good way or a bad way? I mean, however you want to take it. I want a good way, but you're not like like, what's the equivalent bad fat sound now? That's not the question you're saying. What does that sound like to me? Yeah. Or like, okay, if there's an in, a, in an indie movie when like the the Manic Pixie Dream Girl who's like always tiny and white walks in and there's like some like Ugh. ukulele song in the background, that means that. Okay. You know what I mean? So then what's like, it for what us? Me- yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking like a song with like really big sexy drums like loud drums Mm. and Mm. like these like horn sections and just like something that's like grand as fuck i love that you know something that's like i don't know i can't think of a specific right now but something fucking like heavy and badass and like fucking i don't know glamorous as as hell hell yeah Yeah. i love that Will you link me to one later if you think about it? Yeah, I will definitely. It's just hard for me not to be like this Lizzo song because like clearly. I mean, but like, that's fine you know, too. She's on the, yeah, she's the arsenal right now. I really like that your music to me is like, like 
again, I don't know if other people think about music this way. I clearly have a lot of like weird self-image about not processing sound and what I think is the same way about everyone else as everyone else. But a lot of times if I'm listening to music or I have it on in the background, sometimes I'll think about what character has that as the soundtrack. Yeah, that's cute. I love doing that. And I love having your music because I'm like, sometimes I'll listen to kind of indie quote unquote music. And that's always portrayed in movies and stuff as like, you know, the like thin silver Lake girl or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm like, Nope, this was made by a fat girl. Like this is for me. It's for you. Be your own manic pixie dream girl. This is for me. This is my indie music for my indie movies. Exactly. (laughs) Now tell the fucking music supervisor of shrill that damn it. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Um, Okay. Finally, if people like your music, which all of our audience is now going to be your audience, but I'm sure your audience is already way bigger than ours because you're a star. Um, then what are the other like your peers or other people who you think like are comparable to you? Lynn, who is, again, our junior producer who loves you, suggested Adult Mom, Big Thief and Lucy Dacus. Do you have other Those suggestions? Those are good ones. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I will say the one of the only other fat girls in music that I adore is Sheer Mag. I don't know if you know that band, Ooh. but they kind yeah. of sound like ACDC and their lead singer is like this uh, like powerhouse vocalist who's fat and she's like my hero. Um, but we don't know each other personally really but i'm a huge fan so i would say like definitely listen to sheer mag and uh i mean obviously i love big thief uh jason i'm really close with melina of, of jason and she's like one of my best friends so she's up there i love her shit just, that's great there are so many queers in music now that i'm just that's like great. oh yes they're everywhere i can't even like there. <laughs> <laughs> no i love that that's a great start we'll make a little playlist with some of those people and we're gonna share it on the she's all fat spotify thank you so much for doing this interview with us ellen kempner of pale hound we love you and we're so proud to have you on the podcast thank you it was a dream to be on the podcast so thank you <laughs> bye bye You can find Ellen Kempner at Palehound on Instagram and Twitter and listen to the album Black Friday anywhere you listen to music. I definitely recommend watching the music videos. There's a puppet theme. Also, check out the playlist in the show notes for some of our favorite Palehound songs. Plus, Ellen's Rex. Send us TikToks of you dancing to it. Haha, <laughs> JK. Unless. And that's this Time Capsule episode. Producing SAF in the past, present, and future is made possible by our beloved patrons. If you join our Patreon at Teen Paisley Moo Moo, you'll get access to our patrons-only Facebook group where I've been doing weekly live streams, plus bonus minisodes every Friday. I love our Patreon family. Special thanks to Brittany Kaler, Monica Paul, Carly Elizabeth Ashby, Sherry Valenzuela, Nikki, Jen Marie, Caroline Jones, Emily Milligan, Elizabeth Hayes Nijlepsi and Lindsay Trimmer. We could not make the show without you. And please remember to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. She's All Fat was created by me, Sophie Carter-Kahn and April K. Quio, who graduated. We are an independent production. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content. 
please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super important in making sure people find the show so we can grow the family. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the stuff we mentioned today. And don't forget to send us your questions at FYI at She's All Fat Pod.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 213-375-5023 and we might even play it on the pod. Our episode ads are done in partnership with Acast. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, you can get started at Acast.com. Our theme music was composed and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our website was designed by Jesse Fish and our logo is by Hannah Sanger. Lynn Barbera co-produced and edited this episode. Yelly Cruz is our magical junior producer. Our thin crony forever is Maria Bertel. I'm our host and co-producer. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles are at She's All Fat Pod. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Stay safe. We love you. 